Welcome to The Reclaimed Leader, a podcast by two pastors trying to lead their churches through revitalization and change. Their mission, to share their journey with you so it might help you in yours. And now, here, please welcome our hosts, Jason Tucker and Jesse Skiffington. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 33 of The Reclaimed Leader, helping you lead change without losing your roots. I am Jason Tucker, here with Jesse Skiffington. How are you doing, Jesse? Doing great, Jason. Glad to be on with you today and uh, glad for our conversation. And somebody that I know well and probably knows me a little too well, uh, we're going to be talking to my brother, Bill Skiffington, today uh, and kind of picking his brain about what he's up to in the world. He happens to be, as you'll hear, uh, living and working in Gulu, Uganda. That's in the north of Uganda and working with uh, a guy named Bob Goff. Maybe that's a familiar name to a lot of you out there and the Love Does does organization. And so we're going to be hearing from him. And Jason, I think this is one of those areas in the church. One, we're going to hear great stuff. And Bill has a lot of good, insightful thoughts about what they're doing in his own story and and, and those things that are really great. But this is one of those areas in the life of established churches when it comes to missions or global missions or global engagement or whatever we've sort of called it. um, I wonder how purposeful or intentional we've been about our thinking in that area, our strategic thinking in that area as part of our overall life and uh, where it fits with our mission and what God's doing in the world. So he's going to help us with some of that stuff today. And I don't know, Jason, you got this whole mission thing dialed in and figured out at Tower Hill or is it? Oh yeah, everything's completely figured out. Yeah. So there's really, I don't even know what this conversation is going to do for me, but (laughs) (laughs) no, it's it's a challenge because we have certain assumptions, particularly when it comes to global missions, right? We we have a certain understanding that's just based on kind of ignorance. I've never been to Uganda, and yet I might have some assumptions about what it is that you, Ugandans need, what it is that I as a pastor ought to help our church to do. So, you know, many churches, they're involved in other countries and they're doing good work. But sometimes you have to wonder, is are, are we kind of forcing whatever our expectations are, or our assessment of what they need onto them rather than listening for what it is they say they need? Are we really empowering them to, to rise up or yeah. are we just kind of yeah. dictating I, I, the terms of our This is so important rescue. because, yeah. I, you know, I presented um, a, a book called Toxic Charity to our, our mission team. And one of our folks at Marindy is really passionate about best practices in mission and, and global engagement. And it's, it's kind of painful for people to read something that sort of accuses them of of something, you know, uh, that's not helpful or actually harmful in, in certain ways. But I think what we have to remember is that our, our mission efforts as churches has come from a really great place, right? Our intentions have been really great. We want to love people. We want to make sure that they know about God's love for them and help them. And, but, but if we don't take the time to do it, some of the things that Bill's going to share with us in this episode, we might, might do something that's neutral or not helpful or maybe potentially even harmful if we're not careful. And so, um, yeah, I'm really glad for this conversation. Hopefully it can spark some discussion in your communities, your congregations about how we can be a part of the global community and ways that we can help where the needs are, but in ways that really are helpful and come alongside folks. Yeah. And I think this conversation too, uh, as we're going to hear, by the way, I love talking with Bill. I, th- I thought it was he was great to talk to and his perspective. I, I think, though, it's way more applicable to our everyday faith than, than just simply missions in another country because That's it's right. really about 
uh, relationships. It's about risk taking. It's about being vulnerable. It's about, you know, taking a step when you kind of don't know where it's going to land. All of that stuff, I think, which is integral into our faith formation yeah. uh, is kind of what he talks about. So I, th- I think it's really good. I'm excited that our yeah. listeners get to hear so it. So you just even outside of the scope of the global Christian movement yeah. or the mission movement or whatever we would say, um, there's a lot of application just to life as a follower of Jesus and how, how we do that well. So anyway, really glad to get to share my brother with you today. And thanks for listening in. And uh, when, we want to point you to our uh, sponsor, Belay, uh, who does such a great job finding solutions for us that are kind of meet the technological sort of world we live in today and give us some unique opportunities uh, to staff and to think about resourcing the church in a kind of a fresh way in the technological age. So uh, here, Jason, uh, is a little bit more about Belay Solutions. Yeah, so, you know, most of our congregations are are in a state of decline, or at least have been for a long time. And uh, we don't have as much administrative help as perhaps we used to have on staff. And now that the world is getting more and more complex technologically, the need for doing more administrative work uh, keeps rising, but we, we don't have the budgets to hire a whole bunch of people to do those things for us. And that's, I think Belay Solutions has done a great job and they do a great job of uh, using virtual assistance, uh, virtual help in order to get you where you want to go, to get that administrative stuff off of your plate so that you could focus on what matters most. If you want to find out more about Belay, uh, simply go to belaysolutions.com, B-E-L-A-Y solutions.com forward slash reclaimed leader. And you get a free download about how a virtual assistant can help you in your ministry as well as other information. And I want to steer you to that if that's something that you think can help you out in your ministry. And also, I want to remind you that if you're if you're digging the podcast, if you're enjoying it, please share it with with other leaders, uh, please go onto iTunes and leave us a rating. Of course, only if it's a good rating. You know, we don't, you know, let's just be honest here. But uh, <laughs> leave us a rating because it, it helps us to get found uh, on the whole podcast charts. And uh, without any further ado, here we go with our interview with Bill Skiffington. Well, really glad to welcome uh, my brother onto the podcast. Jason, this is going to be a fun conversation. Um, my brother, Bill Skiffington, joins us from Gulu, Uganda which is, uh, as we'll get to hear, I'm sure, uh, just a few hours south of the Sudanese border in northern Uganda. And so uh, by the miracle of the internet, here we are having this conversation. It's really cool and glad uh, that you can join us, Bill. And thanks for taking the time to do that. Uh, I know you got some big things coming up in your own life out there and and, uh, some new things that you're doing. So I want to welcome you and mostly just want to invite you to kind of share with folks a little bit of your story. Uh, to start with and the organization you're involved with and what you're doing with the aim of kind of circling back around for pastors that are listening in church leaders, um, how we can shift maybe some of our thinking when it comes to mission and and global mission and engagement with our world. And so um, anyway, that's kind of the direction of the conversation, but welcome. Glad you're here. Uh, Tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are and and what you're doing, who you're working with. Definitely. Well, yeah, thanks guys for uh, including me in this conversation. I'm super excited to jump in and talk about this stuff. Uh, it's a lot of big topics and, um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of stories, a lot of stuff we can get into. So yeah, maybe just by way of introduction, uh, you know, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, it's a great place to be. I uh, went to school, studied economics, got a degree in economics, went back to school, finished uh, a law degree, passed the bar in 2012 and, uh, worked in house for a company doing operations management, legal work for a few years. 
but all through that, um, you know, I, I'd kind of always been interested things going on overseas, studying even the, you know, the economic needs, things like that. So always been on my radar. Uh, but I think what really tipped it over was uh, first year of law school. I went on a retreat with a bunch of lawyers. We went out in the woods in the snow to this little town called Leavenworth. And we went to a cabin and had a little retreat. And I, I wasn't prepared. I didn't know who the speaker was going to be, but it ended up being uh, Bob Goff. And so I met him that weekend about eight years ago, heard his stories, heard some of the stuff that he was working on and just his whole approach to to doing stuff in the world, doing love, doing justice with people all over the world and just in daily life and really connected with that. So I kept in touch, kind of kept tabs on what was happening with Love Does and uh, opportunity came up to uh, jump in and have a conversation about moving to Uganda. So flew to San Diego, uh, we talked about it and got on a plane and, and here I am. So yeah, Northern Uganda. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. And, and brilliant move by Bob Goff and his organization to interview in San Diego. I mean, you pretty much say yes to anything at that point. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. I don't know if you guys have been down there. Beautiful place, yeah. beautiful beaches. I'm like, is it, wait, is this what Uganda's like? Is this how it's going to be? <laughs> like, yeah, of course. Yeah. So how long have you been in Gulu and what have you been doing in your time with Love Does in that part of the world? Yeah, good question. So I've been here about 14 months. And jumped in as the country director here, running our operations. We have a few programs. Uh, the main thing we have going here is focused on education right now. Um, so maybe those aren't familiar. The background up here, there's um, major armed conflict. The LRA, uh, the Lord's Resistance Army, self-appointed guy, Joseph Coney, saying he's hearing voices from God to take over the country. And uh, just... Uh, mass trauma, uh, thousands of people killed, uh, hundreds of thousands and thousands of people displaced. And so really this whole region is still recovering from that trauma. And a big part of that is, is education. So really the school program that, that is going on here started as a response to that, to get kids that had grown up uh, either, you know, under the LRA or, you know, living out in the bush, hiding from the LRA and get them back into school um, and kind of rebuild their lives. A lot of them have lost family, uh, things like that. So that was really the focus. And it started out as just a few students, started out real small, um, and since has grown. And now we have about uh, 600 students in our secondary school and close to 300 in our primary school. So wow, that's uh, yeah, that's a big, big project. Yeah. And that can make a tremendous impact for generations if those kids kind of get uh, a, a fresh start and, and, you know, with an education. Yep. So it's kind of a big deal. And so, um, wow. So 14 months of doing that and hanging out and I, every once in a while I'll, I'll jump on, you know, FaceTime with Bill in Uganda and he's sitting by like the Nile river at some like, cool <laughs> spot. And I'm like, do you do any actual work there? Or do you like just hang out by the Nile river and like not try not to get eaten by a crocodile? I don't know. So but, denial is a river. Yeah. That's okay. Denial is a real place. Yeah, I've been there many times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sometimes I live there for days at a time. Uh, uh, do you, um, Bill, with the conflict that's going on, is it still a pretty volatile situation? I mean, it's still, yeah. you know, turmoil? So, so in this particular region, uh, things have quieted down. It's, it's been great. The government's really pushed back. And I think the world is really banded together to, to try to uh, put this thing down. And it's been fairly successful. So the the group is still hiding out kind of out in the bush but they're pretty far out and they're pretty diminished there's very few people left there you know there's programs to bring people back and kind of 
get them back uh, engaged with their communities, things like that. So that's exciting to see. But the real conflict now is is just actually north of us. So South Sudan uh, has you know been in kind of uh, loose stability for a while, kind of hanging on by a thread, and it's really broken loose in the last year. So now we have uh, just a couple hours north of us, we have you know over a million South Sudanese refugees that are now spilling into Uganda and trying to escape the conflict that's going on there. So it's still uh, still a lot of you know instability in the region, still a lot of violence, just not far away. Um, and so there's still a great need and a great need for leaders, and that's really. Yeah. The other thing I'll talk about, it's kind of our main focus. Do, do the kids, are the kids uh, in their course of get, receiving education, are they thinking, I'm getting an education so I can escape or I'm getting an education so I could come back and invest in my community? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question too. And, and that really, we, we spend a lot of time with the kids, not just focused on academics. Uh, we're really trying to create an environment where these kids can develop leadership skills if, and also they can see other examples of leaders in their community so they can go out and be that next generation that's, that's you know, doing love, doing justice um, in their families, in their neighborhoods, in the local government, in the, in the larger government in Uganda. So we really uh, focus and encourage our kids to give back where they're at um, in their communities. We don't have a lot of kids running off trying to get scholarships, get out of the country. They want to stay. They want to help. They want to be a part of rebuilding. So it's exciting to see yeah, so entrepreneurial leadership in country and reinvesting in in in. I think one thing we talked about is uh, sort of this movement to end corruption in government and uh, yeah. to have these practices that allow a country to a developing country to continue to develop and uh, become part of uh, the world and engaged in that more global way. And so um, that's exciting. I think it, you're having an impact on young leaders that can be part of that for for the Uganda, the story of Uganda. And uh, yeah, it'll be fun to see what the impact over time is. And so leadership development, tell us a little bit more about that. What you said, kind of investing in leaders, growing leaders, uh, looking for leaders. What, yeah. what does that mean? Yeah, absolutely. So we, uh, we spent a lot of time focused on that. Uh, it's not part of the government curriculum. You know, we're a private school, but we still have to follow the government rules, take the government tests uh, and all of that. But that doesn't mean we can't also add in other programs and say, hey, how do we, how do we get these kids to think bigger than just passing a test um, and going back to their family farm and working a job. How do we get them to think and see bigger? So uh, we have a few, a few programs. We have a mentorship program. Um, we have mentors. A lot of them are actually former students, former graduates that are back living in the dormitories with the students, kind of living life with them, showing, showing them what it looks like to, to do that well. We have leadership classes, leadership clubs, uh, and, uh, and really just an environment where these students are 24 seven on our campus and we get to just model that, um, and be, be around people that are, that are doing that well. And it, and it really changes. It really shows when we go out in the community, you, you know, the school here has uh, an amazing reputation just within this area. Everyone knows restore is, is not a normal school. It's a different kind of school. You want your kids to go there cause it's, they're doing something different. Hmm. Is the, is the name of the organization Love Does? Yeah, so Love Does is is now the name of the organization in the U.S. Uh, since Bob's book came out, there's just a lot of name recognition around that, and so people can really yeah, rally around that. Mm. 
And in Uganda, it's uh, the name recognition really is around restore and people really connect with that idea, that concept of restoration. The, the phrase love does doesn't really translate real well here. People are like, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's just, uh, so, you know, we said, hey, we, you know, we've got this reputation with the name here. Let's just keep that. The school is called Restore. People know that name. Let's just be Restore uh, here in Uganda. So, so yeah, so Restore, restore is, does same thing. Yeah, yeah. So Restore slash Love Does. If you're going to write on a piece of paper uh, the umbrella of that, what are the things under that umbrella? Uh, like, for example, where you are in Uganda, what are the different kind of programs going on? Yeah, so uh, beyond the school program, beyond the education, we're also working in the, the main prison here in, this, in Gulu, in this main city here. So uh, it's a pretty exciting thing to get to go in and spend time with the inmates there. And they're there for all kinds of reasons. And there's a lot of layers and issues in the justice system here as well. So we're also focusing mostly on education with them. We've developed a school program in the prison. Uh, inmates are teaching. Inmates are learning. They're checking out boxes to finish their high school diplomas, things like that. So it's a, a really cool program. Gives them a lot of hope and a lot of purpose and opens up a, a lot of opportunities for conversations with them too. So that's the one other program. And then we also have uh, some uh, safe houses for young girls that are rescued out of really ugly situations, usually sexual abuse or sex trafficking. And uh, so we have two houses of, of some of those girls. And then we also have uh, a program out in the villages, which is another really exciting one that uh, I get to spend a lot of time with, with uh, the traditional healers. So that's a whole other aspect of the culture here that a lot of people, I, I think, maybe don't understand real well. But there's uh, a, a, you know, a long history of, of, you know, medicinal use, but then also more spiritual uh, kind of things going on out in, out in these villages. And um, one of the really horrible things that's gone on here in the last decades is, is the practice of child sacrifice. Uh, I think if anybody's read Bob's book, you've heard the story about this kid who was attacked and left for dead. And some of the, some of the villagers here found him, rescued him. He was able to uh, recover and identify the perpetrator and some, bring some justice there. But it's been a real challenge in this area to combat the, the power and really the, the control that the, the traditional healers or witch doctors have in the community. So we've said, why don't we just reach out to them and figure out what their needs are and see what we can do. So Bob really created this program to, to do adult literacy for these traditional healers and teach them how to read, teach them how to read and write. And then they can read the laws and they can see that, you know, if you are you know, violating these human trafficking laws, you're going to go to jail for life, you know, that, those kind of things. And, you know, we can bring in the Bible and say, hey, and by the way, here's the gospel. And you can look at this and, and see this too. It just opens up so many doors when you have that, that conversation. So yeah, those are our, our main programs. Um, there's a lot there. I could talk about all, any of them, all of them, a lot more, probably have a lot yeah, of questions. I mean, there's, there's so much there. It's um, I'm, yeah. I'm just, I'm fascinated, Bill, with really like your journey through this. Um, how has this, I'm sure you have seen things, first of all, that you can't unsee and you've seen things that, um, have shocked you, have, uh, torn at your heart have probably broken your heart, have healed your heart. How has this whole experience of going to Uganda and working in this way, how has it changed you? Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. That's tough to unpack. And you're right. It has been a lot. Um, you know, I could never have made it up. I could never have anticipated, like you said, all the things that I 
have seen, experienced just things that, you know, you can't really prepare yourself for. Uh, and yet at the same time, I think one of the, you know, the strange things moving across the world, you have all these ideas, or at least I did in my head of what it's going to be like, what it's going to look like and feel like. And I get here and it is different, but at the same time, it's just, it's just people living life. It's just a city. It's just a town, families going about their day-to-day business, kids going to school, you know, all of this stuff. And yet in the background, there's a lot of things that, you know, we would take for granted that are very different here. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, just situations where I've seen, you know, you, you see violence just breaking out in the streets. There's a lot of vigilante justice, mob justice, uh, things like that, that can just come out of nowhere seemingly. And, um, you know, can be really ugly, things like that. So again, yeah. So my experience and just processing through all that, seeing all these things, um, it, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's definitely opened my eyes. Uh, there's been a lot of, like I said, hard things, but also, I feel like the uh, just the the ability of of the people here to to encourage me and and I've relied on a lot of the people here, the locals that have gone through the stuff and are seeing this stuff to be the ones that are actually teaching me and encouraging me and 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 challenging my faith and and I think that's been the part that's really shaped me the most um, is just rubbing shoulders with just some really awesome, amazing people, Ugandans that are here working following Jesus, loving people, uh, and, uh, just being able to rub shoulders with them and live life with them. I think, I think that's had the most impact. That's awesome. Has it changed your view of God? Do you think? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess, I mean, I think of it, you know, that question's a tough one. I think doctrinally or like theologically, I wouldn't say like, Oh, now I, I like my theology's changed or anything like that, but certainly experiencing God in different ways, um, experiencing his work and also, uh, just his beauty and, and his forgiveness, his grace, like all of those things, uh, seen it in completely ways I can never have imagined or experienced, I think in kind of my, you know, the context that I've been used to my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. It's been fun to, to check in with Bill kind of over the months and, and to hear the journey. And uh, certainly I think what comes across is like, you know, this sort of deep love for the, the people and the region and the way that that, you know, a part of the world that you kind of saw on a map now is is real and has come alive in a way that you can only have when you're there and you're living there. So that's pretty awesome. So um, kind of shifting gears just a little bit, you know. What's it like there? I mean, so mission organizations, nonprofits, NGOs, all that kind of stuff. What's kind of the climate of that? And do you, have you noticed anything or, or is the part of the conversation, are, are there shifts in the way people are thinking about how we engage with our world? Um, what have you noticed? What are you seeing? How many people are you bumping into that are working kind of out of the nonprofit sector or, or something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a good one, you know, and, it, and it's changed a lot here in the North. Uh, I think since the conflict has sort of died down, um, you know, it's, it's changed a little bit. It's gone from, you know, real uh, emergency relief efforts, which are very different than development efforts and shifting more to development. Um, you know, there's, there's, not, there's not hundreds of thousands of people displaced needing food and water every day. Um, you know, people are returning to their homes. They're going back to their normal lives as best they can. Uh, but now the, the challenge is just the rebuilding and, re- and really that restoring process. So, um, you know, there, there's a lot of NGOs that come and go. Um, it's, it's funny to, you know, be here for over a year and you just see 
groups of people come through for a week at a time, things like that. Uh, and you know, and you can, they, they stick out like a sore thumb, everybody, you can see them walking down the street in a big group and all that. And that's, uh, that's fine. And there's a lot of people doing that, but there's a lot of groups, um, that have scaled back, uh, some of their operations. And there's others that have come in and actually increased and are doing more and, and things like that. But I think most of the the projects here that have really sustained and have really lasted are ones that have uh, an economic component. They're focused on building jobs, training people um, how to in, in skilled labor or in entrepreneurship and in business skills, things like that. So there's a real, uh, I think, a real emphasis on that here. Uh, that's that's really uh, worked. Um, so that's one piece of it. What do you think? Um, what do you think, Bill? That local churches, you know, if you could kind of help them understand something about what, what missionary endeavors are in this part of the world. Um, you know, cause you, you have a chance now on this great platform of like three churches listening, but, <laughs> but you know, if you could, if you could talk to church leaders, you know, what is it that, that you would help them understand? Yeah, no, oh man, there's a lot there, but I think the biggest thing, the biggest thing is, is just remembering that, that the issues that we see, especially when it comes to the poverty, because there is, there is poverty here. That's, that's really what it comes down to. There's people that are, that are struggling with just basic needs, but when it comes to those things and especially our perceptions of poverty, uh, we have to remember that so much of it and really at its core, it's, it's relational. It's relational. There's, there's absolute needs. There's, you know, there's sometimes there's people that aren't getting enough food and we need to figure out, okay, how do we get more food here or, you know, shelter, clean water, things like that. But for the most part, the people that are living here and even the ones living in, in pretty extreme poverty have some food, some water. They have a basic routine. They have some kind of basic foundation of life where they're surviving, they're subsisting. But the thing that really um, sets apart the, the tone of their life and kind of the hallmark of their life is this sense of, of what I would say, and this is coming from them, not this isn't just me saying this, from talking to people, asking this question, is this sense of sort of hopelessness or desperation, or that there's, there's really no place for them. And a lot of them are, you know, mostly they're underemployed. And so they're living their life. They're getting up every day and there's no purpose. There's no meaning. There's no direction. There's no goal. There's no possibilities, opportunities, all those things that we always talk about and think about, I think in wealthier contexts, those are the things we focus on for them. They just don't, it doesn't feel like they exist. And so there's a lot of hopelessness, a lot of just um, sitting through life and kind of just waiting for life to just pass them by. And I think that's the thing that really hits people the hardest. And I've seen is the thing that really breaks people down. And with that, to see that the, the antidote to that is not just dumping, Oh, here's, here's, here's more money. Here's more food. Here's more stuff. Um, it's giving them a place at the table. It's bringing them into community, bringing them into the the conversation, making them feel like they have a place and a purpose, they're connected and, and that they matter and what they're doing matters. They have a contribution to make. Uh, and I think that's the thing that really gets people excited. And I see that really start to change people. Yeah, we've, we've talked a lot about this, you know, Bill, and then um, with another friend of mine that kind of he's working in the, the DRC but that it really needs to be a grassroots thing for people to find their purpose and, and a sense of mission and, and hope in their lives, but through their own sort of their own energy, their own efforts. And we can help yeah. them. We can walk alongside them. We can encourage them, but to, to give them that space and those tools, maybe that they didn't get 
uh, to, to begin to, to do that for themselves and, and to, yeah. to grow something. You, I think you were sharing with me uh, uh, the sort of the open market there that people come and they bring their wares and they just sit all day long. Tell me a little bit about that because I think it kind of captures what you're talking yeah. about, right? I mean, that yeah. people are just letting life pass by and they don't see anything more. Yeah. No, and the market's a lot of fun. You know, it's a big, vibrant place. There's, you know, uh, families. Everything here is is together with families. So everywhere you go, there's kids. I think you've gone for a while. I think had the second lowest average age. I'm not sure where they're at now, but it's somewhere in the range of 14 or to 16. Wow. Very low average mm-hmm. age. Kids everywhere. It's a nation of kids. And so you walk to the market and, you know, you have the, you know, people sitting, selling their wares, things like that. And they have all of their kids there with them all the time. So there's lots of kids running around, which is fun. There's a lot of life, uh, you know, all the fruits and vegetables. So it's really great. But then as you walk through and you look closer, you realize, uh, you know, people are just, they're just kind of, they're just kind of there and they're kind of waiting for the day to pass and they're hoping maybe somebody will come by a little bit, but there's not really much more they can do or much they can hope for. Uh, And even just moving around the town, going outside, you you see all these young men, especially, uh, especially the men. The women are usually actually working in the home. They're actually carrying water, taking care of the kids, things like that. At least the men, they're just sitting on the side of the road with their heads in their hands, just just staring. You know, middle of the day, middle of the afternoon on a weekday, there's just there's just nothing to do. They're and and they're hungry. They they get sick a lot. Malaria is a big thing. Um, They're tired, and and it's just it's hot and to get up and do anything and figure out and to say, Oh, we'll go, go start a business. Wow, man. You know, for them, that's just, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just so far beyond what they've experienced or can imagine. It's like, where do you start? So there is that, that, uh, you know, that challenge for sure. Yeah. You almost feel like churches are, are coming over to Uganda and other parts of the world with, I mean, great intentions to yeah. help, but it's sort of like, you know, if, if we were talking about sports and you go to the village and, and you say, all right, uh, I'm a baseball coach. We're all playing baseball. I brought you uniforms. And they're like, you know, we want to yeah. play soccer. Like we didn't want to. Play <laughs> yeah, right. but you're on the baseball team now and we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh-huh. You know, like it, it feels like, <laughs> yep. you know, it's just like a dictating what the needs are uh, yeah. without that critical listening component. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's what's been really cool to see is that, you know, uh, we, I have seen local leaders, um, Ugandans that have been able to find their voice and, and be listened to and, and, you know, move in that direction and come up with their own ideas and be creative because the people here are, they're, they're creative, they're intelligent, they're wonderful people. And, uh, just, you know, so many of them just feel trapped, um, and they don't feel like they have those opportunities, but when you see some of them start to break out of that, there's one, uh, young man, wonderful guy who, He's a graduate from the school and his family, his entire family uh, was killed. And he has now started an art gallery in the market. And he's, he's doing all these cool creative art projects and getting more and more traction with that and just putting himself out there. And, and, and it's really exciting to see him get energized by it and just doing something new. And for him to come back and talk to our other students and say, see, look at this, you know, here's what you can do. Here's where you can go. You know, you can just find something you're passionate about and start working on it and, um, and, and just go, you know, I mean, there's challenges, but it can be done. Yeah. And they see someone that looks like them and has experienced something they've experienced and not just yeah. Bill from the Northwest that's coming in and telling mm-hmm. them you can be more. And so I think creating that that's sort right. of legacy in country amongst the people, um, 
I think is, is awesome part of what you're doing. So, you know, we've talked a little bit about this, you know, the whole when helping hurts and toxic charity, some of those kinds of books yeah, and sure. so yep. you just recommend, I mean, as you're thinking pastors out there, as you're thinking about your global mission strategy, I don't know how often you stop and think through the organizations you support or even your approach to any of that. It's probably been a while. If you're like most churches, mm-hmm. we don't do this quite <laughs> all that often. And we just yeah. kind of keep supporting the same organizations and, and doing different things. But any thoughts on that stuff, the whole when helping hurts kind of concept, mm-hmm. what, what, you know, maybe that's out there. Maybe you've heard that phrase or maybe you, you've read these books, but what's kind of the punchline of that? And what can we be watching out for as local churches to make sure that we're not perpetuating cycles that are not healthy? How, how do we, how do we tackle that? Yeah. Yeah. And that's good. And I think there's a lot there. Um, uh, you know, as a, as a big conversation, I think there's a lot of, a lot of things there, but I think uh, a few of the big ones is, is, just doing your research. There's so much information now. Things are so connected. I mean, here I am, I'm sitting in Uganda. It's 10 o'clock at night for me, you guys, it's morning for you. We're across the world. I'm, you know, kind of out in this far flung place, but you know, it's so connected that you really can find out a lot, find out um, who else is doing things well. Um, Start there, see who's, see who's actually um, doing what you're interested in or doing what you think can be done because there's so many organizations and a lot of them end up competing against each other or working against each other, overlapping or repeating things and, and being redundant. And really there's, there's a ton of opportunity just to partner, find organizations that are doing great things, do some research. Uh, I'd say that's a big one. Um, and then, and then just to start think, thinking differently about, uh, you know, what, what really are the needs? You know, as we said, I mean, the whole thing with when helping her talk to charity, some of those books, those whole concepts, you know, it's just shifting away from this, this mindset of, of, you know, I, I have everything and I'm giving and, and you're receiving that, um, you know, that, that just is perpetuating those things that are really at the core of the problem that, you know, poverty really is relational at its root. And to break out of that, we have to treat it that way. We have to engage differently. We have to engage in a relational way in addition to meeting the needs, in addition to doing the work and the projects, digging wells, if, if we need to dig wells, um, and doing those things well, uh, but engaging with the people, like you said, listening to what the needs are, listening to their wisdom. Uh, I, I think, you know, seeing that the people here, they, they know a lot. They know a lot of what they need and what works and what doesn't. They've, they've sure. tried stuff. Uh, and they know that if, if you dig a well over here and you dig it only, you know, so many meters deep and you don't take care of it. It's just going to be dried up and, and broken in six months or a year. They know that they've seen it. And so when they say, Hey, we need it to be this deep or we need it in this place, or we need these tools, we need to listen to them. Um, you know, that's kind of a specific example, but I think there's a lot of examples like that. Well, and I, what I hear you saying too, is we're not condescending as Westerners with all of our dollars and our big fancy stuff yeah. and saying, here, take this stuff and, and, pat, pat them on the head and uh, have them go on their yeah. way. Right. I think yep. it's more, how do we partner with people and see them as human beings that God loves that he has gifted. You know, I, I've heard it said that, you know, everything that a, that a country or a region uh, needs in order to be better, it already exists there. And we just need to help bring it out of, of the people there and help them along the way. And so I think yeah. seeing it more at the grassroots level or uh, mobilizing, equipping the local people to be a solution to yeah, their own problems right. too is a, is a big piece of it too. So I think we just got to be careful in our thinking, you know, it's, it's the old uh, example now, fortunately it's an old example now, but when we send, you know, 10,000 used t-shirts to, 
yeah. Africa and we have really great intentions and we think, man, this is going to be help a kid have a t-shirt. But then we immediately put all the seamstresses and textile people out of business in that region because there's this sort of influx of t-shirts from the West that, you know, so okay. I think there's, there's things we've learned, I think in the, in the past couple of decades that are helping us be better at helping people and, um, and being a part of that sort of the global conversation. So good stuff. Um, Let's see, Jason, where else, what else do we want to tackle? Bill, you, I know you got some other big things coming up. I'm not sure if you're allowed to talk about all those things on the open <laughs> airwaves. But, yeah, um, you know, I could, I could probably share a little bit, you know. If you yeah, guys tell us what's yeah. coming up next. But I also want to circle back around to kind of one last question. Um, and basically, it, it's something like this. The problems are so huge. Can we even make a difference? I mean, what what keeps you motivated to 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 do what you're doing? Because I think... If you're yeah. just sitting back and looking at the world, it is broken and the problems are immense. So why, yeah. why do anything? Why are you there? That's great. Yeah. Yeah. It can be so overwhelming at times and it is, it can even feel defeating. And, uh, I think, you know, um, what keeps me motivated is, is not the, this, you know, how oh, we're going to end poverty within the next 10 years. I mean, that, that's great. And it's good to set those kind of goals. I'm not knocking that, you know, if we, we can set big audacious goals, but, but what really keeps me motivated in the midst of it, it's, it's the individual people. It's just meeting people and seeing that at the end of the day, you know, we can't solve every problem. We can't fix everything. We can't, you know, um, save every person that gets malaria. I mean, there's just so many issues and, and, and the world is broken. It's a broken place, but in the midst of it, I think God is telling a story. I think he's using people and, and helping us all engage and see what he's really like and, and seeing his beauty and his truth and just glimpses of it, uh, you know, in the midst of this brokenness. Um, but it's just an opportunity to engage in that and be a part of it. And to me that, you know, matter, no matter how small or big or whatever it is, that's the most compelling thing to me. I, I, I don't know if I could ever not want to be a part of that, even if it was just one person, but to be able to engage with people, um, share life with them, walk through life with them and, and vice versa. Um, and, you know, and just seeing, uh, you know, those individual stories and getting to experience them with them. So, yeah. And I think you said something important in there too, that maybe yeah, I saw you nodding along Jason, but that when we turn toward the messiness or the brokenness of our world and engage with it, we see more of God in our own lives anyway. Yeah. And, yeah. and so I think for us as Christians, we had an interview with a guy, John Hambrick, Jason, you got to see him. Uh, a couple, you know, last a couple weeks ago, and and but he kind of shared this thought with us that a lot of times American Christians we kind of live a, a boring Christian life, and we kind of wonder if this is all that there is to it, and um, we're kind of you know we're in this cycle of Sundays and then our real life and God's partly there, but we're kind of wondering. And his thought was turn toward the messiness and brokenness of your world, and you'll experience God's God in way that you never have before, or maybe in a yeah. way that you haven't in a long time, and so. Uh, thanks for being somebody who has turned towards the mess and done a small thing in a small part of the world to make uh, a difference for not only the people there, but uh, but for the people that are listening in and getting to hear your story and, and kind of take inspiration from it. So good stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so, like, yeah. No, so like now I'm all, you, you got, you teased the, <laughs> we teased it out a little bit. Next. I mean, I, I want to, <laughs> Well, I just didn't know. I mean, I thought I thought maybe this is like top secret stuff or like I I don't know. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing and what, it, it is a little bit like working for the Secret Service. You know, sometimes I mean, you know, you get to do some uh, some really cool stuff. But um, 
No, I think, uh, well, so what I'm, what I'm doing next, I've been here for about 14 months and kind of helped get some things on track and a few different projects going. Um, but we've had some new staff come in in the last couple months and they're amazing and just helping get them trained up, uh, handing things off well to them. They're already doing an, an, just an incredible job. I'm, I'm feel so good leaving things here in, in capable hands and then all, all of the local staff that are just doing all the day-to-day work. But um, so we've been talking for quite a while. We have operations, Love Does, in a few different countries. So we're in Nepal, uh, India, Somalia, and then uh, Iraq. So, uh, and I got to start saying it right. Uh, you know, everybody says Iraq. And I'm like, Iraq, Iraq. Uh, Wait, I'm gonna, it's not Iraq. Well, <laughs> it's not Iraq. So, <laughs> I know. So let's get it right. I'm going to live there. I gotta, so, it seems kind of so, egocentric, Iraq. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it's good. So yeah, so we started this conversation about some projects going there, and uh, um, Bob has got a few things that he's started, but they've asked me to go and jump in and try to help um, get some things going with those projects there in northern Iraq. So uh, it's, uh, Syrian refugees are living in uh, Iraqi Kurdistan, actually in the Kurdish area. Uh, kind of up in the mountains, and there's uh, some school programs, justice programs, um, or sorry, education programs, but also a hospital and uh, housing for the refugees. So, for Syrian um, refugees coming, Syrian refugees, yeah. So that's uh, that's exciting. So you know, obviously, a lot of families in Syria are are running from the conflict there and trying to find a place just to be and live their life and raise their families. So it's a very different context than Uganda. But I'm um, excited. So I'm leaving. Actually, I'm leaving in two days. Uh, two wow. days I fly out. I'll be, I'll be there by Friday. So next time, next time we chat, I'll probably be talking to you from Iraq. That is That's awesome. Yeah, that is really awesome. Um, God's blessings on you as you continue your good work. I mean, it's man. I, I, why didn't you tell me, Jesse? Your brother's such a, such a rock star, man. I tell you, because he's, I didn't he's want doing to ministry that. shoulder to shoulder with Bob Goff. He's traveling the world, making a difference. I know he shows us all up. That's why. That's where you got to, you know, no. uh, no, I think that's it's amazing. Right. I learned from the best. That's right. That's right. You know, I think the cool part is, uh, yeah, watching your brother go and do something amazing in the world is, is fantastic and makes you feel proud and excited and encouraged and challenged, you know, in your own way. So, you know, uh, good work, Bill. Uh, we're all rooting for you and, and glad. And I know mom's a little nervous about this next uh, phase of the journey and all that stuff. It's a big deal because when you follow where God is leading and calling you, it's not safe. It's risky. It pushes you to the edge. And I think we could probably all do with a little bit more of that. And it doesn't mean we have to go to Uganda or, or Iraq to do that. We can do it in our own communities and risk relationship with people that uh, need need to know that God sees them and, and loves them. And so um, I think if anything, as Christians, we should be encouraged to think about what are the risks uh, and the places that God is calling us to right where we are. And for some of us, you know, it might mean going to the other ends of the, to the ends of the earth for others. It might just be your next door neighbor. So um, anyway, really glad, Bill, that you're able to join us. Glad that the, the lights stayed on and the internet worked for <laughs> the length of this conversation. Know, it's a well, small miracle. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, So I think maybe what we ought to do is uh, let's circle back around in maybe three, four months after you kind of get your feet underneath you there and uh, and talk some more, because I think these are these are encouraging for kind of those of us that are kind of back on the home front and hearing what's going on out there. So, Jason, any last thoughts or questions or anything? No, I'm just uh, again, I'm just uh, thankful for you, Bill. Thank you for your work. And um, we'll be definitely praying for you. And um, 
keep it up. Don't get discouraged. Keep moving forward. Uh, seriously, it's, um, it's really great. It's really yeah. great what you're doing. And, and thank you so much again for being on our podcast. Yeah. So if, if yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Thank you guys. Yeah. We're glad to have you. And, and if folks want to reach out to you, um, ask about love does learn more about yeah. Bob Goff and what you all are doing there. What, what's a good way for them to do that? Yeah. Lovedoes.org is the perfect place to start. Go check that out. You can see a description of all of our programs. You can read our blog, see everything that's happening. Um, yeah. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, uh, you know, uh, go through, you, you got my contact. You can <laughs> just punch them <laughs> back to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you field all the questions. Yeah, that's uh, right. But, uh, but yeah, well, I know you probably can... the best approach would be if you want to e- talk to Bill directly, email Jason or I, and we'll make sure you get in touch yeah, with them. That's uh, probably the best. There's some yeah, that's, that's really there. a good way to good yeah. way to get in touch that way for sure. So yeah. Yeah. Because, thank you guys for what, yeah. for what you're doing. I just want to say, yeah, this has been uh, super fun to be on here and just get to talk a little bit and share. And actually it's good for me to just kind of help process some things and talk through it as I'm uh, kind of making this transition, but you know, what you guys are doing and, and sending out and encouraging the churches and trying to help reshape the conversation. I think it's so important. So, well, yeah, we did it for you, Bill. This was all for you. <laughs> this is the, the one episode, one and done. All right. I love it. I like it, man. Cool. All right. Well, uh, safe journeys and, uh, you know, hope things wrap up really well there in the next couple of days and we'll, uh, we'll catch up with you uh, a little later on down the road. Jason, really fun. Uh, just personally for me to get to hear my brother speak kind of more from a, you know, a big picture perspective of what he's been doing. You know, I connect with him pretty regularly and we, we connect, but to kind of hear him share the vision and thinking behind love does and what Bob Goff's been up to and some of the things that they're doing in that part of the world, really encouraging. And also amazing to watch how God is at work in people's lives and, um, the journey that he's kind of had my brother on to get to this place. And so now he's heading off into a next phase of that adventure. And I can't wait to hear what God does there in Northern Iraq and kind of scary, frankly, to think of that part of the world. And, and so we'll be praying for him, but uh, I'm just encouraged and, and glad that we get to, to do that and that you got to catch up with him, um, you know, back in a, a hundred years ago when we were in seminary. That was 10 I, years ago. That was a long time ago, right? You, <laughs> I know you got to meet him and uh, and he was doing something totally different than what he's doing now. So just kind of encouraging to, to see that journey. So um, big takeaways though. What what uh, what are you walking away with from this conversation that um, you're going to remember or that's going to stick with you? I think there were a few things, but one that that really hit me and I think is kind of keeps echoing uh, since we talked is the whole idea that the solution to poverty is relational. I, I've been thinking a lot about that. It's um, that's a really powerful thought because that's not usually how we think about solutions to right, poverty, yeah. obviously. Yeah. But, right. but then I was trying to think, well, what does that really mean? It means that if, if I'm really loving somebody, I'm hoping to do whatever I can to encourage them to be the best version of themselves that they can be. And that may involve equipping them, showing them uh, a certain path if they're looking for one. Uh, Just the implications are so many. But the fact that it's built on relationship, uh, I really resonated with. I think that's really... Yeah. Right and clearly there's structure, there's systems, there's stuff that you, you you can do to kind of create opportunities and those kinds of things. But apart from a relationship, uh, it's hard to know maybe what those things could or even should be. And so anyway, I think, yeah, re- that relational approach is, is kind of a big deal. And it's talking and listening, right? It's not just talking at somebody and saying, we think 
that what what's really wrong with <laughs> with your situation is this and and then not to listen to them say back no that's actually not at all it's this uh, a relationship implies that it, that it's a conversation that's right and i think what we've heard too um just in our own thinking about our own communities and our own churches that if you can really clearly identify a need by listening by really understanding the need then that's when your innovative thinking and ideas can come out you can see it as a problem to be solved but if you start by assuming that you know what the need is and that you're already meeting that need or something, I, I think it just kind of gets you stuck in your own patterns of thinking too. And so, um, yeah, really glad for that idea of sitting, listening, reflecting on on the need, hearing it firsthand from the people that are experiencing whatever they're experiencing. So, um, how about yeah, takeaway for you, Jesse? I mean, you've been talking with your brother over a period of time on this stuff. So a lot of this was a part of a conversation you've probably already had, but what are some takeaways as, as we're talking to Bill today? Well, one, like I'm kind of, is it bad that I'm just kind of proud of my brother? I mean, (laughs) he's younger than me. uh, Yeah. It's pretty awesome to watch that. And so I'm like, wow, dude, you know, kind of like showing us up a little bit, you know, you kind (laughs) of do this thing. No, no, in a good way. I just, I think that's really cool. So proud of what he's doing, excited about that. I feel kind of cool to know him and to know, you know, that he works with this cool guy named Bob Goff and love does. So, you know, it's just fun to be connected in and to get to hear, you know, I'm called to do what I'm doing, but to get to hear what God is doing in and through that organization and, and with him. And so, um, yeah, really fun, fun just to get to, to listen and kind of see him do his thing. But, um, big picture takeaway for me is, uh, I think it's so important, Jason, that um, we have people in our lives like Bill. Maybe we're not on the front lines of sort of global, you know, engagement and helping in the developing world and things, but to to have people that we know that we talk to regularly, pray for, and are connected with relationally, it keeps us in touch with what God's doing in other parts of the world. And um, I don't think you need a hundred of those kinds of relationships, but I have a few folks that I connect with regularly that know I'm praying for them, that I'm rooting for them. And so they get kind of you know, a touch point back home and those kinds of things. But also I just, I'm continually confronted with a a world that is bigger than me and the problems I face in my job and my, you know, little church world here at Marine View. And um, I think it's so important to see that bigger picture and perspective. And and I think it takes the pressure off in some ways. It connects us to a bigger story and helps us see some of the, some of the reason why we, we believe and trust that God is, doing something. It can get discouraging at the local level sometimes, but when we kind of have that more global perspective, we go, God, you, you do love us. You do have a plan. You're, you are up to something in our world. And, um, so, um, for me, that's an important thing. And so whenever I get to talk to Bill, um, it's just a reminder that I'm connected to a bigger story and he's playing his part in the story and I'm doing my thing and we're all kind of have our, our part to play. So, um, yeah, fun to get to connect and can't wait to hear, uh, as he explores the next season of that adventure. All right. Well, hey, thanks everyone for listening. And I pray that God blesses you this week uh, until we talk again and hope that you'll continue to reach out to us, Jason or Jesse at reclaimleader.com. We'd love to talk to you. And uh, again, we're all in this thing together and we're praying for each other and let's get after it. Let's not give up. Let's not get weary. Let's keep moving forward. Let's keep going. And if you need any of the resources, you know, that love does stuff, you can find all that online. If you do want to uh, get in touch with Bill, just shoot me an email and I'll make sure you get his email address. We just want to be a little bit sensitive about that stuff for him, but um, I, he would love to talk to you. He's a great guy to connect with relationally too. So um, we'd love to put you in touch. Otherwise, Jason, we'll see you the next time around and thanks everybody for listening in. 
Thank you for listening to Reclaimed Leader. Join us next time for more insights, interviews, and resources to help you in your leadership journey.